I wanted to start this time off um, by sharing a little bit, like sharing a story with you guys. Um, after I graduated from high school, it, it was the summer of 2003. Now, I know some of you guys were like, 2003, I wasn't even born yet, so, um, but I understand. The summer of 2003, I went off to UT Austin. I entered into their summer program. Um, I had gotten into the summer program to be eligible to attend the fall semester. They had this like weird program that if you made a certain grade during the summer school, you could actually, um, you were actually eligible to become like a full-fledged student at UT. And so I, I left and, and I went there. At FBCC, at home during that time, um, there was this new building that was being built. Um, we, now, if you guys know church history, a little bit of our church history, 1997, we moved from HCC over to the Sugar Land area, and we built our first building, which is this building that we're currently in. Um, it's been remodeled several times, and so it looks a little bit different. Now, in 2003, we were actually on the brink of completing our second building, which is actually across the courtyard. And for those of you guys who don't know, What am I doing? I'm doing something. Okay, cool. All right. So those of you who don't know, it's building two. Um, and when I came back, I remember the first time I came back from college. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think I have the. All right. Anyway, I'll just keep going. Um, I came back from college, and I remember coming, pulling up to our campus and thinking, Wow, this is home. This is FBCC. This is where I grew up. I remember coming here as a, as a sixth grader, um, playing basketball against my leaders, obviously losing a lot. Um, I, I remember um, coming to Sunday school with, with Uncle Sam, coming to, uh, going to Auntie Estella's Sunday school, going to all of, uh, um, and obviously not doing a great job of paying attention, but that's okay. Sorry, Uncle Sam. Um, <laughs> I remember coming back and thinking, man, this is my home. This is where I belong. And when I entered the campus and I entered into building three, or sorry, building two, I remember thinking, like, it's, it's familiar, but it's kind of strange. It, it feels like this is home, but something is very different about it. There were all of these young people, incoming sixth graders that I had not met before, um, these, these middle school students that I had not seen before for the first time in my life. Um, and, and when I came into uh, the, the church service, I went into the chapel for the first time and thinking, what? we're sitting in pews? Like, this is, what is this? And just thinking that our church, it was home, but it wasn't home. It felt weird. It felt different. It felt strange. And for many of us, and hopefully for everyone sitting here, that's the kind of feeling that we've gotten today. That home, our church, today we're sitting here together. It, it's familiar, but it's a little strange. It feels different. So what I wanted to do as the, the very uh, first thing for us as a church is to extend this invitation. Now, this the title of the sermon um, is just called The Invitation. Our whole sermon series is, is called uh, A New and Living Way. But this particular sermon, I wanted to call it The Invitation. Because for us, you and I, as the church, we have been worshiping in a very strange way. For us, it's unfamiliar. 
But now that we're back home, there is an invitation for you and I as believers. Our mission for the year of 2021 is coming home with a mission. Our, sorry, our vision is to come home with a mission. That when we return to FBCC, it should not and it will not look the same as when you and I left over a year and a half ago. It should not and will not look the same. When you come to FBCC, and for those of you who are at home, when you return to FBCC, it should feel familiar but a little strange. And the invitation is for us as the, the, the body of Christ to look forward, to be present, as David had mentioned earlier, to be present with one another, to encourage one another. And this invitation is extended to all of us. Now, if you have your Bibles... We are going to look at the book of Hebrews, and we're actually starting chapter 10. So if you guys have your phones or you have your uh, tablets, sorry, I know I just licked my fingers. People are like, oh, everything is, everything has germs now. <laughs> we're going to start in the book of Hebrews, starting from chapter 10. If you don't have it, we're going to have it on the screens for us. Um, and read along, starting from verse 19. Hebrews 10, uh, verse 19, sorry, from verse 19. Uh, this is what it says. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have the confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed pure with water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. See, the writer of Hebrews, what he's doing is he's writing to an audience that wanted to go back to the way things were. A lot of us today, when we're thinking about going back to church or going back to some sense of normalcy, we think about how things once were. And we long and we hope and our desire is to be able to just go back to that place where things were maybe good for us. Things were maybe comfortable for us. Um, and maybe some of us are thinking, actually, no, I actually don't want to go back. And that's okay, too. But we also are not looking forward. All we're doing is thinking about the things in the past. And the writer and the audience of this letter continuously thought about how did they worship in the ways of the Old Testament. The priests, the Levites, the sacrifices, the blood, the offerings, all of those things. And they continue to look back because they did not realize or they did not realize the impact that the completed work of Jesus Christ on the cross did for each and every one of us. So the writer of Hebrews in this passage invites, has three specific invitations. And hopefully for us today, we will also take note of these three invitations. The first invitation for us is the invitation to faith. Right? Not the invitation to believe in Christ because the writer is already writing to the, 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 the believers. The first invitation is the invitation to faith. And what the writer of Hebrews is doing from chapters 1 through, 1 through 9 is establishing why you and I have the faith. Right? We are a people of faith. Later on in chapter 11, 
the writer also gives us a definition, which is faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. So what does this invitation to faith mean? This is what the writer says, starting in verse 22. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed pure with water. You see, the invitation for us to draw near is to draw near to God. It's not simply just to believe in God, but to prepare our hearts, to prepare our minds, to prepare our souls to be in the presence of God. You and I have been so far removed from just gathering together and remembering what that's like that many of us have forgotten, right? I, for almost an entire year, I attended church service. I attended English service in shorts and a tank top. Now, if I had shown up to this service wearing that, I think um, most of us would have been okay because there's actually a lot of college students. Most of you guys have been okay, but the expectation of that is kind of weird. You're going to be, why would Pastor Jeremy wear something so informal? Did he not prepare himself? Is he not ready to give this sermon? Um, is, what is he doing? Right? And so for, for a lot of us, what we've been doing is when we wake up, we can think, oh, you know, like, it, oh, I know service started at 11.15, but I can just stream it when I'm fully conscious at 2 p.m. Right? We, some, of us, some of us thought that, and that's okay. And that's true. It's very true. The technology has definitely been um, given, that, uh, given us that ability to do so. But this invitation here is to be reminded of our faith. Reminded that it takes a certain amount of preparation as we go into the presence of the Lord. You see, what, what the writer is telling the audience here is that when they think about the way that the Israelites worshipped, the Old Testament priests, they only got to visit the Lord once a year. The Old Testament priests, they had to not only prepare themselves, wash themselves do various rituals. They had to cleanse themselves in order to enter into the holies of holies, which is the presence of the Lord. They had to spend hours upon hours in preparation. You and I, I, I mean, like, I remember, like, uh, I remember a couple of times I forgot to brush my teeth before I got to service, right? I, I brushed my teeth this morning. Don't worry, okay? The idea of it is appalling when it comes to this, this kind of interaction, this kind of uh, in-person service. But when we're at home and it doesn't matter and only your family has to smell your bad breath, it doesn't matter. But that lacks that certain aspect of remembering the holiness of our God. That you and I, as believers, get to enter into the presence of the Lord on a daily basis. We get to enter into before the Lord on a daily basis. And so the writer of Hebrew says, Hebrew says this, enter with a sincere heart with the full assurance, sincerity, true hearts, really checking our hearts at the door and asking ourselves, are you and I, am I, am I ready to worship the God of creation? Am I Ready to worship the guy, who, the God who is described as the holy, holy, holy God Almighty. 
We are able to do this because of what he writes here. Verse 19, at the very beginning of our passage, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, this is, this is how we are able to do this, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, we then need to enter into this area of faith, preparing our hearts, preparing our minds to enter into the presence of the Lord. So the first invitation is an invitation of faith because of what God has done. The veil was torn. The veil was torn, meaning that there is no longer separation. That there means there is a direct line from us to our God. We, and, and it's great because, yeah, we, we don't have to specifically gather together to worship God. We can do this. We enter into God's presence on a daily basis. The second invitation that we have is an invitation to hope. Now, this is really important because a lot of times we get stuck on the invitation to faith. We think, oh, uh, once I believe in Jesus, that's it. I, you know, Jesus died for my sins, you know, like, uh, cool, all done. Just going to go ahead and continue to live my life. And then when troubles come, when a pandemic hits, when things go wrong in our lives, immediately we say, oh, I, I, I don't know where my faith is. I don't feel God. I don't know God. And, and then all of a sudden our hope is lost. Verse 23 says this, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Let me read that again. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. The second invitation is the invitation to hope because of who God is. We can hope and we continue, continue to hope because of who God is. The invitation here is not to continue, hey, you just need a little bit more faith. Yeah, you just lost your job. Maybe you just need a little bit more faith. Yeah, you just failed uh, your, all your final exams. Maybe you just need a little bit more faith. No, that's not what the writer is teaching us. The te what he's inviting us to is the remembrance of hope because of who God is. That God is faithful. God is merciful. God is love. God is always enough for us. Because of what God has done, we have the faith. Because of who God is, we are able to have hope. When I think about people of great faith in my life, one of... Um, one of the reasons I'm in ministry today is because of a, a pastor um, when I was in middle school. His name is Pastor Ed, and he recently passed away. And he, when, when I think of the people in my life or people um, who have shown me what it means to live a life of great faith and great hope, I think of him. Um, I, uh, very firstly, I think of my grandma. Um, obviously, but uh, for those of you who know me, but secondly, I, I think of Pastor Ed and think of the life that he lived um, to show us that no matter what happened, you know, Cynthia shared a couple of stories about Pastor Ed, so 
Um, I'm not going to go too deep into that, but this, this whole idea that no matter what happened in his life, through the ups and downs, through this horrendous car accident that he had um, when he was in Dallas, through all of the ups and downs working here at FBCC, to planting a new church, through um, you know, getting injured the way that he did, um, and then finally passing away, like his faith never for a single second wavered. Why can he have such hope? Why can he have such faith? Because Pastor Ed always talked about this and he always knew that God is always faithful. That our hope as believers, our hope as people is not in ourselves. That's where faith falters because we hope in ourselves and we just hope that if we had enough faith, if we simply just prayed more, Maybe God would have been faith, not maybe God, maybe we could have had more faith. Maybe we could have persevered. And that's not what the writer of Hebrews is teaching us. He's, the invitation here is because we remember who God is. We always remember who God is. God is faithful. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that is our hope as believers. That God is faithful. God is always, always faithful. For he who promised is faithful. Not us. It's not us. We, our, our faith, our faithfulness, our loyalty, those things change. But God remains the same. God remains the same. That at the end of the day, it is because of who God is that we have an unswerving faith, an unmovable faith, an unshakable faith. And lastly, the third invitation for us is an invitation to love. This invitation to love. What's amazing is, is Jesus describes those who follow him. The distinguishing factor is not simply about their faith. It's not simply about their hope. But by the practical way that you and I, as believers, as brothers and sisters of Christ... It is by the way that we love one another. By this, by this, in the book, of, the book of John, by this, this is what Jesus, by this way, by the way that you love one another, this is how the world will know that you are my disciples. By the way that you love one another. And this is how the writer of Hebrews says this. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Now, this invitation to love is a very, very practical invitation. It's very practical because it asks us to do things. One, to invite to love with careful consideration. And then two, to provoke or spur on towards love. Right? When I think about this word provoke, um, it actually... Okay, so I use the NIV translation here, and it says to spur on. Spur on, that kind of gives you a little bit of like, hey, you just need a little bit of nudging. right? That actually kind of loses the sense of the word here. The sense of the word is actually, it, it's actually better translated as provoke. And the idea behind this word is a sharp disagreement. Right? It's to have a sharp disagreement with one another. During the pandemic, my wife and I would often take walks. Um, and we would walk throughout our neighborhood. It would take anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour, kind of depending on 
um, different different things like mosquitoes or what time of day it was or you know uh, a number of things. Um, and then on these walks, my wife and I would just be talking about a lot of different things. Um, and I could always tell when my wife was upset with me because we would not be walking side by side. She would walk like 30 miles an hour ahead of me. And then there would be, it would just be very interesting because during that time she was pregnant. So this is pregnant lady walking about, you know, 40 feet ahead of me. And there's me strolling, just kind of taking my time strolling around. Uh, and, and the reason, a lot of times what happened was the, the reason behind this kind of she was upset at me was because she would say something, and then I would take it really personally. She would say something like, um, hey, you know, like, you, you really haven't been spending enough time preparing for your sermon series or saying something like that. And immediately I would get offended. I'd be like, what are you talking about? Are you saying I'm a bad pastor? Are you saying that I don't know how to read? Are you saying that I am, uh, you know, I'm a bad person? Like, and, and I would just, like, go off and start going, like, talking about all of these things that were about me. And the, the, the funny thing about that is she would always call me out on that. And she would say, Jeremy, you're taking this really personally, right? She'll say that. When, when she says that, what, like, what do you guys think? My reaction was like, oh, yes. Thank you, loving wife. I am so glad that you called me out on this. I will repent, and I will now be a much better husband, right? I would get even more upset, and then I would walk even slower, and she would walk even faster, and then there's all of a sudden this, like, 100-yard gap between the two of us, right? And the, the thing is, that is exactly what the passage is teaching us to do. This is exactly what that, okay, so first of all, that feeling. I want to talk about that feeling. That, that what it, that's what it means to provoke. You know, when someone says something like, hey, I, I, I kind of see this happening in your life. I see that you haven't really been showing up to our small group. I, I see that you really haven't been really you know, joining our community, or I've seen that you've, you've kind of been far off from the Lord lately. Immediately our reaction is, no, no, it's not me. I didn't do that. Like, that, well, what, do you, what about you? You know, and, and that, that idea is to provoke that sharp disagreement. That's exactly the feeling that the writer of Hebrews is teaching us, all right, to provoke. Now, I'm not going home. Okay, now, just understand, like, I'm not saying go home and provoke your family, okay, that's not what this is about. Because there's a very specific direction that the, the writer teaches us. It is to provoke to love. Provoke to love. Right? And, and, and this, this verse, what it says, it says at the beginning, it says, let us consider how we may spur one another or provoke one another on towards love and good deeds. Now, I want to sit a little bit on this word consider. This word means to thoughtfully, um, just, just to take the time to really think about what you're doing. Really take the time to consider how to provoke. Now, this is a very strange concept to us because when we provoke people, we provoke people to anger, right? Or our first reaction is like, hey, you're provoking me. Right, that immediately, like when we think about our toddlers running around throwing things, we say, "Don't, don't throw that on the ground." Right, your three-year-old has their food, and they like, don't. I made that with love, and what do they do? 
boom, right? Food goes on the ground, right? We provoke to anger. But the writer is teaching us to con carefully consider, to take the time to really think about how you can spur one another, to provoke, to have that feeling of the sharp disagreement with one another towards love. Not just any love, but the way that Christ calls us to love one another. So when my wife calls me out, especially on these things, one of the biggest things that I've had to learn over the pandemic was, man, I really take a lot of things personally. <laughs> I take a lot of things personally. But every time my wife provokes me, every time she spurs me on, it is always with this intention in mind towards love and good deeds. And when our parents begin to nag us, begin to say things like, hey, I really wish you would, you know, fill in the blank, clean your room, take out the trash, um, you know, help, you know, fold your laundry. These are not things that they are saying to provoke you to anger. Rather, they want to provoke you towards love. And a lot of times we just don't get that. And that's okay. And that's okay. But we need to change our mindset as a church. To not, this invitation is not simply to just hang out with one another. It's not enough to just be here. But to take the time to thoughtfully consider how you and I can provoke to spur one another on towards our God, towards love, towards this, this kind of love where it's distinctly different from the world. It's described in John 13, that by this, you will, they will know that you are my disciples by the way that you love one another. And finally, this is the application for us. The writer of Hebrews says this, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. See, the audience in, in the book of Hebrews, what they wanted to do is they wanted to go back. They were not sure that Jesus' sacrifice, that Jesus dying on the cross was enough. They felt like, I need some sort of ritual. I need some sort of thing in order to properly get me in the right mindset. In order to worship God, I need a high priest to beseech God on my behalf. And the writer is saying that, no, we don't need that. Let us not look towards the past, but let us move forward. And let us continue to meet together in the, in, with this invitation of faith, invitation of hope and love. So that we can encourage one another, continue on in our faith journey. This is the new and living way that Jesus has set before us. And when we gather together, it's not about what the church can bring us. For too long, we have been sitting in our homes, going on to different church YouTube streams, and, and thinking about, man, what does this church offer me? Man, why can't FBCC be more like The Village? Or why can't FBCC be more like Hillsong? How come we only have this red carpet thing and these wooden, you know, why don't we have LED lights? Why don't we have, like, trees growing out of the, the walls? Why don't, you know, and, and all of these sorts of things of we, we, we're looking and we're comparing uh, and, and we're, we have these expectations of, like, the church needs to benefit me in some sort of way. But this invitation is very clear that it's not about what the church can do for us, but rather how God has blessed us that we can edify when we gather together to edify, to encourage, to, to encourage one another towards faith, hope and love.
And I think that, especially with the pandemic, we've really lost this sense of urgency. The Bible teaches us very clearly that Jesus will return for us one day. It's very clear. And we've lost that sense of urgency. And it makes sense. It makes sense. That kind of rhythm of life, that makes sense. So let's think about what does this mean for us? What does it mean to have these invitations of faith and hope and love? First, here's just a very practical thing. If you haven't really talked about anything spiritual for the past year and a half, find someone and think about this. What has God been doing in your life? Okay, maybe it's a very negative thought. Maybe you haven't really felt that close to God. Find someone who is in your faith community and share that with them. Or maybe God has done, been doing a lot. When you and I gather together to share what God has been doing in our lives, that's really where this encouragement happens. It's really where this encouragement happens. Um, the second thing that I want to challenge us to do is figure this out. Now, this one is, I didn't have a very clear example other than the one I gave, right? Um, how can you and I thoughtfully provoke towards love? Now, this is a really hard one because it takes a lot of trust because the person that you thoughtfully provoke must receive it in that way as well. So go ahead and show them this sermon first if they haven't seen it, and then tell them, guess what I'm about to do, all right? This, now, first, this takes a lot of consideration because our words, they, cannot, they, can, they can be very hurtful sometimes. But secondly, when, when the goal, when the idea is, hey, what I'm about to say is because I love you. What I'm about to say is because I want you to be more like Christ. When you and I frame it that way, you, can't, you, you just can't take, it that, you can't take it personally. You can't be like, no, I don't want to be like Jesus, okay? Or you can't have that attitude, or I mean, I guess you can, but we're not going to do that. So think of some way that you can thoughtfully provoke someone. Now, it, this is actually going to be really hard. So I'm actually um, curious as to if, if you do try it, like, let me know how it goes. Because I actually would really like to know um, if you were successful or unsuccessful. And so I apologize if I caused a disagreement or argument in your, your marriage or your relationship this week, I, I apologize ahead of time. Um, so yeah, so that, that's one way that we can actually put into practice what this, this invitation is, is telling us. And the last thing is very practical, okay? On Tuesday this week, we're gonna be sending out another invitation for you to join us. Now, there are some empty seats here. Um, now, people are pretty spaced out. I know that those of you who are at home, um, yeah, you know, like, we, we really feel as a staff, we should, having read through this verse, having read through this series, we should be having a wait list. People should be excited. The encouragement, the invitation, guys, the invitation is here, is right now. This is the invitation that when we are gathered together, that we encourage one another towards faith, towards hope, and towards love. And we can do that because we have not given up gathering together. And that is the hope of the body of Christ, because we know that one day Christ will return for us. And so as we end our sermon today, I, I really want to just think, I want us to think about this invitation. The vision of FBCC, coming home with a mission. This invitation is not simply 
to just come here, just come to FBCC. That's not it. That's not the only thing. This invitation for us is an invitation to continue to encourage one another, to not give up meeting together because of who God is, because what God has done for us. And so hopefully, I hope to see more and more of you each and every week. I'm so excited that you guys are all here. And for those of you who are at home, I can't wait to see you, can't wait to encourage you, can't wait to be in community and fellowship with you once again. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. Lord, it is because of your faithfulness, because of your love, because of your goodness, because of you, God, that we have faith. Because of who you are, because of the work that you have completed on the cross, Lord, that we stand here, we gather together as a body, that we are able to worship you, our God and our King. Lord, may all of us here be reminded of this invitation. Lord, may we continue to remind ourselves throughout this week for this invitation towards faith, towards hope, and towards love. And God, may you be glorified in everything that we do. We love you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.